Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to the latest edition of Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Chase Frederick, joined as always by co-host Dane Misutani here on August 19th, Friday, just after the Vikings completed their joint practices Wednesday and Thursday with the San Francisco 49ers preseason game two set for Saturday night at U.S. Bank Stadium. But Dane, before we get to that joint practices, you watched a little bit more of the defense on Thursday. What were the biggest takeaways? What did you think of how Minnesota stacks up against San Francisco on that side of the ball in what you saw? Yeah, I think it's it's much harder to watch the defense and glean much from that because right. like can't hit anybody offense, like exactly like Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter are doing a pretty good job off the edge, but they can't really bring down Trey Lance. So he escapes the pocket. Like would it have been a sack? I don't know. I will say yesterday at uh, Thursday's practice, the defense for the Vikings did a much better job making Trey Lance look uncomfortable. Um, I was talking to a lot of the 49ers beat writers and they said like he looked markedly worse yesterday, but a lot of that was because the Vikings defense looked better. And I think a lot of that started with the pass rush. Um, They were able to kind of make Trey Lance uncomfortable in the pocket, make him scramble around out of the pocket. And I thought the the secondary had a really good day. Um, There was a couple pass breakups, one by Cam Bynum. That was pretty impressive. Um, Chandran Sullivan had an interception on a play. Patrick Peterson was really good coverage on, on Debo Samuel. There were things that stood out like snapshot moments, but I think the bigger story of the day was the Vikings found a way to get to Trey Lance. Um, You won't see it Saturday because he's not going to play. But I think even in practice, if you're getting to a quarterback, that's as dynamic as that um, you're probably trending in the right direction. Yeah, that was kind of everything I saw uh, from San Francisco writers who were there, Minnesota reporters who were there, was, frankly, neither team could block the opposing team's defensive front. Uh, it caused a lot of issues on both sides there. But I think that maybe is kind of the recipe for success for Minnesota. And we've touched on this a little bit, is defensively, if they're going to make a big jump this year, it probably is going to be because Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith are constantly, you know, causing havoc, uh, wreaking havoc in, in the opposing backfield, rushing the passer, not letting uh, offenses kind of impose their will against them. And I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly how 
effective Hunter and Smith are because they do kind of feel like a forgotten pass rushing duo in mm-hmm. the NFL because they've both been affected by injuries. Uh, but dang, these are two guys who, you know, as recently as the NFL's top 100 in 2020, I looked this up to see like at their peaks, how were they thought of? Daniel Hunter was ranked the 40th best player in the NFL. Zadarius Smith was ranked the 48th best player in the NFL. And both have certainly dipped now. I don't think either one's going to be on the list this year, uh, but that's the type of players they are at their peak. Um, and I looked at DraftKings Sportsbook. They've got sack totals for guys. And there were 15 players with over-unders for sacks this year uh, that sat in the double-digit range. And two of them were Vikings. And Daniil Hunters was 11.25, and Sedarius Smith was 10.25. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. And I think if they hit those overs, Minnesota will have an excellent defense this year, right. because if you have that type of pass rush, it's hard not to, but how do you think those two kind of stack up in terms of what we see in the NFL um, and what Minnesota and what they can do, I guess, for Minnesota's pass rush. Yeah. I think it's easy to forget about them because Daniel Hunter missed 2020 played like six right. games last year in 2021. So Smith, I think played one game last year in 2021. So, when people across the league are making their pass rush duo rankings, who's the best pass rush in the league? One, it's easy to forget about Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Two, it's it's easy to not rank them high on this list because their prime maybe is in the past. Like they were really good in 2019. Like, will they be really good in 2022? Like, we don't know. So I understand why they are being overlooked right now, but me and you have talked about it at length and I've been out of practice in training camp throughout, you know, the past three weeks and no one can block them on, on the Vikings. And and maybe that speaks to the Vikings offensive line a little bit, probably does like Christian Darisaw is not going to be the, one of the best left tackles in the league this year. Brian O'Neill is a good right tackle. Uh, one of the better ones. Um, but even him asking him to to, to consistently block someone like Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith one on one is a tough ask. But seeing those guys perform in training camp, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. So I think it's understandable that that the Vikings pass rush duo of, of Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith is being overlooked. But I think when the end of the season rolls around, they're going to remind if they stay healthy, that that's a big thing. If they stay healthy, they're going to remind people that like, no, we're still really good. We're still two really good players. And and they're going to consistently make each other better uh, because you can't really scheme one out of the game because the other one exists somewhere on the defense. Yeah. that That is almost like when you look at maybe analysts who are looking at this, um, like I saw 33rd team, which I'd never heard of until recently when Mike Zimmer supposedly joined and, and Rick Spielman joined uh, and, and, and Rick Spielman. But now Mike Zimmer is also on Deion Sanders coaching staff. So it's like, are you still doing the 33rd team thing? He's got to like do a bunch of part-time jobs to make up for his you. That's right. He's, he's juggling a lot of things right now. It's freelancing uh, Jace. But anyway, I'd never heard of it, but anyway, it's like NFL executives, coaches in like a media company, you know, evaluating teams. Uh, but anyway, so they did a list pretty recently of, top pass rushing duos and they didn't like necessarily rank them. They tiered them. Um, and so I was checking out to see where Minnesota fell in that. I was thinking probably not first year, but maybe like second, they were fourth. They were the fourth tier out of seven. 
Uh, so that that puts them in like the middle range, if not even a little bit below that with Hunter and Smith. Like and it was specific duos. Like it was Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And it was fourth tier. Um, and I I just think that's a little bit ridiculous because even when we saw Daniil Hunter last year, he was very good. Um, we've right. talked about this in the past, you and I have. But like <laughs> the Arizona game, Minnesota's only defense for Kyler Murray when Kyler Murray was lights out at the start of the year was Daniil Hunter making great plays. Right. Uh, so. I mean, I, I I certainly think like it's we don't know. Like you said, you can look good in training camp and it might not translate to the season. But these two look like they're in pretty good form. So there's the kind of the perception of the media or at least one outlet. Um, and then there's the perception of Vegas, which generally I lean on as more reliable, saying that, hey, these two guys are both double digit sack players. Um, and if they are. <clears throat> That, that makes Minnesota, that covers up any concerns about the secondary. It covers up anything about the linebacking core. Um, it, it, it makes scheming defensively much easier. And I do think the only thing now is like, okay, is Daniel Hunter an effective, you know, edge rusher in the three, four scheme? Because that can be a little bit different, I think, than, than when you're down in your stance. Something interesting that Daniel Hunter continues to bring up anytime we talk about him. And I, I don't know if he's going out of his way to bring this up because he hears like maybe the outside murmurs of how is Daniel Hunter going to translate playing outside linebacker. He he reminds everyone the first set he, the first sack he ever got against Kansas city chiefs in his career. He was a stand-up rusher. He was a stand-up rusher as a rookie. And he kept telling us that, well, I I've, I've stood up before I've rushed standing up before only recently have they told me to put my hand in the ground. And it's like, Daniel, whatever, like, that's fine. Like if he's going to be a good pass rusher, I think he's going to be able to do it standing up. I think he's going to be able to do it with his hand in the ground. I I will be interested with this defense because if you watch in practice, they're not just edge rushers. Like Ed Donatel moves these guys around like Mike Smith, outside linebackers coach moves these guys around. So it's not even like, okay, Zedarius is coming from the left side. Daniel's coming from the right side or vice versa switch throughout a game there's some days they're going to be like blitzing up the a gap. And and that's going to be kind of, I think a little jarring for, for teams to scheme against where look, this will all show up on film. I understand that, but traditionally you're preparing for these, these edge rushers to rush from the edge and, and the Vikings are going to move these guys around. It's going to be like a game of chess and that's going to help them. And going back to your Vegas point. Yeah. There's a reason they're, 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 over-unders in the double digits because if Vegas were to put Daniel Hunter's over-under at like eight and a half, people would hammer that and they would be at risk to lose a lot of money. The only rate I think Daniel doesn't get to over nine sacks this year is if he gets hurt. So if you're Vegas, of course, you're going to put that, that line in the double digit tier. Same with Zadarius Smith. If he's healthy, the past two years that he was healthy when he was in the peak of his prime, you know, had this pulled up. He missed last year to 2021. But I would say Zadarius Smith really took off when he got to Green Bay and he was used in in more of a pass rush specialist role. And in in 2019, 13 and a half sacks, 2020, 12 and a half sacks. So if these guys stay healthy, they're going to be double-digit sack guys. Um, And like you said, if that's the case, the Vikings are going to be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I remember Darius Smith. I think a lot of people do, and this was discussed even when he signed here in Minnesota. Right. Is like a, the Sunday night, Monday night game. I don't remember which one, but it was like a, a massively important game for Minnesota at US Bank, and Minnesota's offense did absolutely nothing throughout the game because <laughs> they Darius Smith, right? No, it was it was Mike Boone in the backfield, so they weren't getting the running game going, and Kirk Cousins was mauled uh, by Zadarius Smith. <laughs> 
one possession after another. Um, and it was insane. And that that is kind of like when you have two guys who are that electric and it's going to be very interesting to see like Daniel Hunter now paired with somebody like that, um, exactly what they do for one another. As you mentioned, you can't scheme one out um, because the other one will torch you, assuming they're both healthy. And then as far as moving guys around, that is something where like it's it's almost like a wide receiver these days. Like if you have a dominant wide receiver, you're moving him around the field, you're putting him in motion, you're putting him in the slot. Because if you just have them, you know, lining up at the X, it's a little bit easier for defenses to scheme them out or, you know, try to limit what they can do. And we are seeing the same thing with pass rushers um, because it's it's too easy with like the dominant guys to say, OK, we're going to have our tackle and we're going to have this guy chip every single time. Where if you're moving them around, uh, you're more likely to give, create a favorable matchup where they can shine and impact the game. Um, so uh, having two guys like that, it gives Minnesota a ton of flexibility and the ability to give a lot of different looks and create a lot of havoc in different ways. Um, so I, I think it will be like almost something fun to watch. It's not always necessarily fun to watch a defense. Um, you know, it, you want the offense right. to be on the field, but I think that this pass rush could be like pretty entertaining, um, which is something I'm almost looking forward to watching from this team this year. And I haven't always felt like that. Yeah. I think it, Anytime when Daniel Hunter was like on his game, like really, really feeling himself like in games last year and I guess two years ago because he missed 2020. He was like appointment viewing television because every single play he he could do something like that no one else could do. He could speed rush over the end and he could just as easily bench press this guy back into the quarterback. Like, look, that dude is the most shredded dude on earth. Like I, I like you've just seen pictures of him it makes sense that he's so good because he's so strong but like when you look at what those two could do yeah like those they're going to be exciting um and i think we've talked a little bit about this defense you know on this podcast but also with each other in the past and like there's there's weight there's reasons to be worried is the secondary going to be good it's old or you know their best player is patrick peterson in the secondary he's up there in age then you got a couple unknown commodities with with Cameron Dantzler and Andrew Booth Jr. You have Harrison Smith as a safety. All those things get covered up if Daniel Hunter and Darius Smith are sacking the quarterback. Let's real quick. Let's rank like okay, because I'm looking through right now the 33rd teams tiers, and you tell me where you think Minnesota belongs in this. So here's tier one. It's Dallas, Demarcus Lawrence, and Michael Parsons, the Raiders with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, the Chargers with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, the Rams with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, the Steelers with TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward. I certainly think those not put are, yeah. Yeah. Fewer they have fewer question marks for sure. Like I do think yeah. Minnesota's peak with those two with Smith and Hunter can get up in that range, but like it's just so far from a guarantee uh, that they are those elite guys like are all mentioned there. Here's tier two, maybe a little bit more realistic. Cleveland with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney. The Saints with Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. The 49ers with <clears> Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, who you had kind of front row viewing with this week. Uh, the Bucks. Nick with Bosa Shakir. is so good. He's, He's so insane. good. He's Holy insane. crap. I saw the clips on that. Like, uh, We'll talk about Christian Derrissaw. I do want to get to him uh, probably in this next segment here, but Nick Bosa throws anybody around. I mean, it's insane. Uh, him and Eric Armstead. The Bucks with Shaquille Barrett and Joe Tryon. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> the Titans with Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and the Packers with Deshaun Gary and Kenny Clark. What do you think? Do they go in there? Do they do you want to hear the next is, one? My gut is that they go in there because okay. like I get my Miles Garrett's a beast. I get that. But yeah. Jadavian Clowney's like like he's a name, right? Like he's he's good, but he's not like this elite pass rusher that everyone thought he was gonna be. And if that's like the top name on the list, or that you know, the Browns, I know they're tiered, but like 
I don't know. There's no reason for me to think that Daniel Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith couldn't be like grouped into that tier. A lot of this has to just be like, what are you getting with those two? Because yeah, right. So here's tier two. Here's the description of tier two. Tier two consists of pass rush duos with at least one superstar paired with a great supporting partner. Each star within this tier could easily see a season with 15 plus sacks with their counterpart counterparts sporting reasonable expectations for double digit sack totals as well. So I do think they could maybe fit in that with Daniel Hunter potentially being a 15 sack guy and Zadarius Smith very likely, you know, has an easy path to 10 sacks. So I think they Who's could tier fit three? in that. Tier three. The Bills with Vaughn Miller and Ed Oliver. The Bengals with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. The Broncos with Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. The Colts with <laughs> Unique Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner. <laughs> and the Commanders with Chase Young and Jonathan Allen. And this is a group extremely solid components to one another, complements to one another, or duos that can realistically combine for around 20 sacks this coming season. Both members of this tandem could be 10-plus sack contributors and teams with need to specifically game plan to stop each rusher so like that tier description makes sense um i almost think that hunter and smith are like 2.5 i was gonna say tier two and a half let's take yeah. the cop out there but the tier four is ridiculous like yeah i mean like, i understand that it's it's consistent and slightly above pass rush duos um, did zimmer players. make this list because we know how, like how his his relationship with the neil soured by the end of it, it was in june so zimmer hadn't joined yet but yeah he could easily be like oh hunter <laughs> In parentheses, can't stay on the field. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree with you. I, I mean, they should be above that. Uh, but you do see, like, you talk about it maybe as one of the better ones in football at some point. But then you see these other combinations and you realize that it, there are a bunch of teams with great ones and there are a bunch of the best defenses. Like, it's almost a prerequisite at this point um, to be a good defense, to have two guys like this. So now that Minnesota has them, that's a big help. Um Mm-hmm. And it's going to help erase some of the things, some of the deficiencies in other areas. But still, the secondary is going to have to hold up. And a lot of people are going to have to hold up their end of the bargain. But it's a good start for Minnesota to have two guys who can kind of impact the game away. You know, a lot of these other duos can as well. Totally. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, back for segment two of Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, please like, follow, subscribe to this as we will be coming to you multiple times each week, including again after the Vikings preseason game Saturday. That'll probably come out Sunday, um, potentially Monday morning. Dane, I want to touch on a few more things from the joint practice. Just a couple quick hits here. First off, how about the conversations that were had 
kind of comparing by himself, Trent Williams with Christian Derrissaw. Do you see any type of comparison there? Because frankly, that would be Christian Derrissaw's like through the roof ceiling, like his moonshot. Um, because Trent Williams, when you talk about him, that is like the Aaron Donald of offensive lines. That is um, one of the best players in the NFL. And I think it's very encouraging for Vikings fans to hear, you know, William say like, Hey, I see some of him and me. And like, yeah, I remember my first couple of years, you're just constantly learning. Um, and he seemed to almost take him under his wing as much as you can in a joint practice. But totally. what do you think about that kind of comparison? And I, I mean, it's, it's like the dream for Vikings fans and Christian Derrissaw himself, but is there any validity to it in your mind? I think it's a little ridiculous right now. Like sure. maybe in 10 years, we're thinking like, wow, Christian Derrissaw is a surefire hall of famer. But right now, he hasn't really shown us much. He didn't play a ton last year. And in some of his reps, he looked good. He's capable of, like, we, we see his strength. We see what he's capable of doing in snapshot moments. And, and that showed itself in, in game film last year when he when he got on the field. But then you see, like, him trying to block Nick Bosa in practice yesterday. And I know Nick Bosa might be the best pass rusher in the league from the edge. I think Aaron Donald's probably the best pass rusher in the league. Just from anywhere, from anywhere, <laughs> but Nick Bosa might be the best edge rusher. But when Christian Derrissaw was against him last yesterday in, in practice, and I guess Wednesday and Thursday, both of the joint practices, he had a lot of trouble. And this is, there's a clip going around on social media of Nick Bosa in three straight reps, just absolutely destroying Christian Derrissaw, right. absolutely destroying the Vikings offense. And I think, those social media clips kind of circulate and they're a little unfair because th that looks good, but like we don't clip when like Christian Derrissaw just has a good block and, and, and cleans the plat that keeps the pocket clean. And you just clip when he gets destroyed. So it's kind of hard for an offensive line. I think for Jordan sure Davis fans, with, the, yeah. with the Eagles made this point, like that he he's the freak from Georgia. Who's like, you know, I think a lot of people wanted the Vikings to draft Jordan Davis in, in, in the NFL draft but there's a clip of him just destroying his teammate and he's, he's asked about it after. And he goes, well, like it kind of makes me feel bad because like, they don't show like, there's no clips of when he destroyed me. And he's done that a couple times in practice this year. And it's the same thing. Um, getting back to your original question, because I kind of took a tangent there is Christian dare saw Trent Williams. Like I highly doubt it. Like you said, Trent Williams is one of the best left tackles of all time. Maybe 1% chance any like yeah. a first round offensive tackle gets to that level of player. But uh, there maybe are elements to his game that remind people of Trent Williams. Like maybe it's like the buckets that we talked about in, you know, about with quarterbacks and like you have to have certain things in each bucket. Like maybe Christian Derrissaw has certain things that line up with Trent Williams and, and what he does well. Uh, but he doesn't have the encompassing skill set that Trent Williams has. I don't think so, at least. One thing I thought was interesting, and, and you you touched on it, like Trent Williams said, like Christian Derrissaw reminds me a lot of himself. I think he has a vested interest in this guy succeeding in the NFL. And, you know, they have a relationship that dates back to this offseason they met. Um, but watching them even after joint practices, I think it's a cool thing about joint practices is Christian Derrissaw and, and Trent Williams by nature are on different fields for two hours. Right. But after practice, Christian Derrissaw went up to Trent Williams and they talked for like 15, 20 minutes, like solidly. 
was it all about scheme and here's what you do when, when in pass block and here's what you do in run block? Probably. I hope not. so. They're football guys. <laughs> like they probably were talking about their lives, but also like you could see like between like the hand gestures and, and this and that, like he was getting some sort of coaching, some sort of like, this is what you do in this situation. And I thought that was cool. Um, I think those things are cool to see in, in real time. Um, but no, like I think at the end of the day, like, it's a little ridiculous to say Christian Darisaw is going to be Trent Williams. Yeah. And you're just right though. Like as far as a young talented tackle trying to develop, if you can have a guy like Tristan, like Trent Williams in your corner, um, giving you advice who you can text or call or whatever on a given week, maybe if you're struggling with something, you're trying to work through something. um, You're like, Hey, what are you seeing that I'm doing here? Can you check this out quick? And then maybe somebody who's willing to work with you a little bit in the off season. Like that is a big, boon for you um to be able to aid in your development to learn from literally one of the best tackles ever um that's that's huge for christian darisaw it's only a plus in his column so that's i think encouraging from the vikings perspective because the more anything that christian darisaw can glean from trent williams is going to be a massive positive and minnesota needs him christian darisaw they drafted him frankly to be like the anchor of their offensive line Mm -hmm. in the way that trent williams has been that for the teams in which he's been on for years, frankly, and and still will here for the next few years, and it's why San Francisco's offensive line holds up. Um, it's it's a big part of what they do is that they added Trent Williams to the mix. Uh, one more thing I wanted to get to. Uh, it's not something we have to talk about a ton, but I just thought it was cool and should be recognized that the Vikings doing what they did with Marshall's high school's football team and busing them all out there for that practice on Thursday so that they could watch Marshall alum Trey Lance. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Trey Lance isn't going to play in the preseason game. Nobody can watch him perform there. He'll be there. Uh, but joint practice was the time to see Trey Lance. And the Vikings went out of their way to say, hey, like his alums, high school football team, like his alma maters, it will get them here um, so they can all watch. And Trey Lance did a ton of like, you know, autographs, pictures with all of them, pictures with the entire team. Like I thought it was pretty cool on the Vikings part, good community relations to take that step to do that and say, hey, here's a local Minnesota guy, prominent figure. We're going to make sure that his local community and and that football team uh, gets a chance to see one of their own. Right. And I think, yeah, totally. And it was interesting talking to a couple of people within like the Vikings, I guess, front office, the area of the front office that plans this type of stuff. Sure. Like we didn't know the joint practice schedule, like, until very, very recently. So the fact that they were able to kind of put this thing together, like on the fly was very impressive. They, they, they reached out to them in the past week and Marshall booked their buses. The Vikings offered to basically pay their, the, the transportation fees and in a way they went and they got on the, they got on the bus at six 30. I think the funniest part about Marshall is they get to this practice at nine 30 and they enjoy like all the spectacle that it is. And then at the end of it, Terry Ballman, the head coach for the Marshall football team, is like, well, we, we can't miss a practice day. We're in the middle of two days. So they actually got Egan High School to donate their practice field so that Marshall could enjoy this moment with Trey Lance, but then also go practice afterwards. Like, it doesn't get more football guy than that. And I was giving uh, Coach Terry Ballman kind of a hard time about it. I would think one day you could do one, but you know, Hey, if you're trying to win a state championship, every practice matters. No question about it. Um, it's, it's cool. And I just thought it like all the things coming together kind of shows the Minnesota football community, uh, which is awesome. I kind of looking ahead to this preseason game because it is, you know, the second of three and we should touch on it a little bit here. 
What I wanted to know is, I guess, what do you think are the things that the Vikings, who are a team who is committed to winning this year, I mean, the chips are on the table for this year, even in year one of a new regime, you have Kirk Cousins, you've got some aging players, um, and clearly ownership says, like, we want to compete. What are some things that maybe you're a little bit concerned about or think that they should be concerned about or watching closely? And, hey, if these things don't improve, maybe Minnesota should address them between now and the start of the regular season. Uh, I've got a couple. I guess number one is one that's on everybody's list is the backup quarterback position uh, between Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. I've seen some reports that Kellen Mond you know, looked a little bit looked solid this week in joint practices. Maybe you can speak to that, what you saw on Wednesday from him. But just in general, uh, what like how do you feel about that position right now? And do you think if you know if we go into to Saturday here and nobody does anything and Mannion and Mon struggle, like maybe is that a sign that that this should be addressed and they should be looking elsewhere? I think I, I still subscribe to the thought that the backup quarterback isn't necessarily on the roster yet. And I know some people will say, like, well, they better get here soon because they gotta learn the offense. And it's like, yeah, kinda. Really. But if like Kirk Cousins gets hurt week one, they have to do that. Correct. Right. Like we were actually talking to Wes Phillips, the Vikings offensive coordinator, but what you look for in a backup quarterback. And he said someone who makes the, the starter better and can support them in the room and someone that can play with limited reps, like someone who doesn't need a ton of reps to be ready to go step into the game, which speaks to the idea that like, no, they don't really need to know the offense or like, have like this great grasp of it. Like obviously they, that that's the want, but if they bring in an established veteran backup, which if you were bringing someone in to take over for Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond, like they're going to be someone who's probably been a backup quarterback in the league. Who's familiar with that role. And one can probably learn on the fly and two can probably play and freelance a little bit if, if he has to play. Um, Yeah. The Vikings have goals of being competitive and I think part of that is insulating yourself if the quarterback gets hurt, if your starting quarterback gets hurt. And I, that's I mean, not necessarily like like if quarter, if Kirk Cousins blows out his knee, the season's over. Like it's yeah, for it sure. Matter. It's it's all about you know if he has to miss a game for not necessarily COVID, but okay, but COVID is an example of something that you sure. miss a game for, or maybe like a, a high ankle sprain, which for a quarterback might mean you're missing two or three games and you're coming right. back not as mobile, but you can get back on the field. It's just like, can you miss three games and win one of them? Um, you know, right. because right now I don't know if they have a quarterback, but that's the case. Uh, or do, does Kirk cousins missing three or four games mean you're out because you're digging an Owen three and Owen four hole. That's ideally not the case. Right. It shouldn't mean that like you shouldn't have your backup quarterback be like, well, hopefully everything goes right because we sure don't feel like they can win the game. And I think, that's what you have right now in Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. Sean Mannion, great study partner. That doesn't mean you're a good quarterback in the NFL. Like there's a reason he's he's 0-3 in his starts, and there's a reason he's only gotten three starts. Same with Kellen Mond. Like could he develop into something down the road? Maybe, but I don't know if you want to rest your laurels on the fact that like, well, we want to be really competitive this year. Hopefully Kellen Mond is ready to take that jump. And and because there's nothing has shown that he's ready to take that jump. He was impressive against the Raiders, against the Raiders twos and the Raiders threes. That doesn't mean that if he's thrust into a, the spotlight, if Kirk Cousins goes down for a week, two weeks, three weeks, that Kellamon's going to succeed. Um, I get that someone needs opportunity to prove that they can actually do something, but it's too delicate of an operation, in my opinion, to see if Kellen Mond is a player when 
you only get 17 cracks at this thing. So if Kirk Cousins goes down for two or three games and you just concede those games, you, you go 0 and 2, 0 and 3, you're putting yourself in a huge bind. So I, I going back to your original question, like, yes, I think the Vikings need to address their backup quarterback position. And I think another thing they should consider addressing, they, they haven't, but if it looks bad in week two, in week three, whatever we want to make this this timeline or this deadline, if if Garrett Bradbury still stinks in week two or three, like you have to go get it another center because the offensive line is one of the things on this team this year that can ruin everything. Like Justin Jefferson could establish himself as the best receiver in the league this year. He can't do that if Kirk Cousins can't throw him the ball. And he Kirk Cousins can't throw the ball if Garrett Bradbury is getting bull rushed and getting put on his butt every single play. Yeah, and you looked at the only other competition for the position is Chris Reed. Um, who he has, has a hurt elbow. Like He, he has a hurt elbow. Snapped. He's missed some practices. And like the guy doesn't has, doesn't start at center. I mean, hasn't done that <laughs> in the regular season <laughs> like, ever in his career. Like he's a guard. They're basically like, well, Garrett Bradbury stinks. Let's see if we have something else better here. And they can't even see that because Chris Reed is out right now. And we'll see if he's going to play on Saturday. Um, I think he's hopeful he's going to be back at minimum for practice next week, but still like that's behind the eight ball as well. You already have likely Ed Ingram starting at guard, right? And there's a question mark there. Even if he's looked good in the camp, how is that going to look when the regular season hits and you're going up against a bunch of ones and some really top notch interior pass rushers. So you're going to put him next to Garrett Bradbury. Um, I, I think the Vikings are pretty well set at tackle, even with, you know, like we're not exactly sure what we're going to get out of Christian Darisaw this year, but Guard, center, interior pass rush, that's the thing that really blows up the play. That's even like Kirk Cousins or anybody else doesn't really have much of a chance of succeeding in those types of instances. Like forget a quarterback without mobility. That's everybody um, who really like when the interior pass rush blows up plays. There's no way around it. So you have to have a solution there. I don't think you can go in with multiple question marks in the middle and to say, hey, we're a team that's trying to win at a high level and win a division. Uh, Try to beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. In week one, we're going to try to be better than Green Bay, who's got a very good defense, and we're going to do it with with a very, very shaky interior offensive line. Like, you have to find a solution out there. People always point to J.C. Treader as, like, the best center option available. Try it. Try something. Uh, you know, I know, like, it's it's worth maybe paying up for it if you think that you are a team that can compete for big things, which all of their roster moves suggest that that's where they think they are. And I think the same thing's true with backup quarterback, and you watch, like, you know, you say like, hey, there are only so many good backups out there, but like the Jets have three guys in Joe Flacco, Mike White. I know they would probably wouldn't move anybody now with Zach Wilson on the men, maybe for the first couple of weeks of the regular season. But that's a team that went three deep. Um, the Steelers right now have three options with Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph. Like Panthers teams- with PJ Walker's like their fourth string quarterback there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like there's a guy who would give you a much better chance of winning a game. Um, and he- like we just saw with the Raiders, they're Nick Mullins. Like that's a guy who's won NFL games before. There are, and he's their third string quarterback. Like there are options out there. Minnesota center may be a little bit more difficult, but I think you have to explore all options if you continue to see. And we see on Saturday that Garrett Bradbury just can't hold up against maybe even some second stringers. Um, it's it's definitely a, a couple things. Those are what I'm most closely watching. Yeah, there are the guys who looked good in in game one, um, and maybe will look good here and are fighting for fifty second 53rd spots and we'll touch on those guys i think more as we recap saturday's game but heading into it the first quarter those are the types of things i'm looking for with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to segment three of Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Minnesota Vikings podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe to this. Dane, we're kind of moving outside of this. We're going to go into something a little bit different. We're both watching Hard Knocks, Detroit Lions this year. Dan Campbell's awesome. Um it's it's fun to see another NFC North team on there anyway, just to get to know an opponent. Uh, guys who you see, frankly, a couple times a year, the teams that right. maybe you follow. And they've got some good personalities. And this was brought up to like Kevin O'Connell and company earlier in training camp. Like, hey, what, what do you think about ever being on Hard Knocks? Um, Kevin O'Connell literally has been cut as a quarterback on, on Hard, Hard Knocks, Knocks before, yeah. which is kind of crazy, kind of cool. But thinking about that as a possibility and say Minnesota missed the playoffs this year. Well, then next year's team could be at hard knocks. They would be eligible for that. They weren't this year because Kevin O'Connell's a first year head coach and those teams are exempt, but it got us to thinking and we did a little draft who would be the most fun personalities um, or most interesting people to have on hard knocks from the Vikings current roster. We did a draft. I went first. It was non snake. I got first pick every round, just three guys each. And I'm going to go over my first pick, and you literally responded, LOL, uh, to this yeah, pick. Explain yourself. I will gladly explain myself. My first pick so with was... With the first pick in the Hard Knocks draft, Jay selects... Defensive lineman Dalvin Tomlinson. And I, maybe he's not like that big personality, and I think that's why you laughed at it. But I think he's like maybe the most interesting guy on the entire roster. Uh, first off, like the guy gets engaged, and then like shortly thereafter is on vikings.com doing like a full breakdown of his engagement and everything he went through. So super open. Uh, if you, he's got like a hundred different interesting hobbies, like photography and videography, which led him to like exploring that more with drones. He's big into drones now and what you can do with that in terms of like videography into a bunch of arts. Um, he's got an impressive shoe collection. He's so into gaming that like, not like your PS five and your Xbox 360. No, he puts together his own computers. Like he's, he's done like three different computer builds um, because those are better for gaming when you can do that. Um, he's brilliant, sported like a 4.4 GPA in high school, could have went to Harvard. Uh, freak athlete, dominant wrestler in high school, did track, played soccer, told our Chris Tomlinson at the Pioneer Press this year that basically he wanted it known that he's technically a defensive end in this scheme because it makes him sound more athletic. Uh, like it's so he's got a great personality and then like, you see like my favorite things on hard knocks are like maybe like a little bit of the inspirational stuff. Uh, the, the short little segments that almost are like little features um, shows what guys overcome, what they've been through, things like that, that as much as like the outtakes and the hot mics, like that's what I tune in for. And Delvin Tomlinson, somebody who lost his dad when he was five years old, he lost his mom in high school, like unimaginable loss for some of us. And he's used those experiences though, to help kids who have also lost loved ones at a young age. Um, he's active in visiting children's hospitals, uh, his mom died from complications of diabetes, so he's heavily involved at the American Diabetes Association. Like, I think he's the most interesting player maybe on the roster. Uh, he's one of those people that I would love to sit down with for like two hours and have dinner or whatever the case may be. Like, we talk about hard knocks. Like, I would read a book about Dalvin Tomlinson. So I would love to see him featured heavily on any type of show where you get more inside access. Wow. I, I love I love the pick. You've sold me completely. What a what a great first, dra- first pick of the draft. 
I, I'm sorry for laughing at you. So um, my next pick, I, I, Jay's got the first, first pick in all the rounds. I got the second pick in all the rounds. So my first pick, Justin Jefferson. It was a no-brainer for there for me. Like, he's a superstar. He is the superstar. And I think when you watch Hard Knocks, like, part of the appeal of Hard Knocks is – like getting to see these stories about these fringe roster players and, you know, who is this guy? Let's, let's get emotionally invested in, in this guy who maybe is going to get cut, who's buying for the 53rd roster spot, whatever. But the bigger part of hard knocks is getting to watch the superstar and getting to see the insides, you know, the ins and outs, the life of Justin Jefferson in this case. Um, He was my first pick because he is the face of this Vikings team. He has really started to come into his own, I think, uh, his personality. You know, he's rocking the grills. He's got his own merch, like all of that. Like he's really leaning into this, this persona that he has both on and off the field. He obviously has the gritty. He's in Fortnite. Like he, his star is rising. And, and a show like like Hard Knocks, I think, would, would do a great job and, you know, taking his personality and really putting it on, you know, the highest stage. Yeah. He's definitely like this team's superstar. And that is definitely the person that other teams want to tune into Um, other people like, Hey, he's like your fantasy uh, pick or whatever. Or he's just like one of your favorite players. Um, People would be super into that. And he definitely has like the vibrant personality for it. Mm -hmm. So does my second round pick uh, is a Darius Smith. Totally. Not only would like this year say the Vikings got it this year, like I said, they weren't eligible, but it's always interesting. Like, okay, a guy in a new team, a guy who was one of you know the better players in the NFL, and people are wondering, hey, okay, you were out last year, do you still have it? Like, there's all those types of like prove it kind of things, uh, that would make that always make for like the hard knock storylines. And he's also just like an awesome hype man. Um, we've seen videos of him like running up and down the sidelines, throwing his arms up, trying to hype up fans in training camp. Uh, the Vikings posted a video after Wednesday's joint practice and and he's sitting there with the other d lineman kind of narrating this video saying like hey how'd we do today and he's like and we made some money today baby um (laughs) he seems awesome uh like he's he's one of those guys where i'd put a mic on him and watch him walk around practice and talk to everybody else and be thoroughly entertained by it so so darius smith locked that in for my second round pick that's a good pick and and um, i i think i texted you that when you when you picked him is like he it could easily have been the number one pick in the draft just because of how infectious his personality is. Like, I think we've only talked to him for three minutes at training camp and it was like a very joyous three minutes because he was just like <laughs> very smiley. And like, I get it. Like if I was an NFL player, I wouldn't want to talk to the reporters all the time. And granted, he doesn't talk to the reporters all the time. This was his first time sure, talking right. to us, but he actually seemed like to be interested in having this conversation. I think there's just a infectious quality about him and that stuff really plays on hard knocks. My second pick, Patrick Peterson. Um, I picked him more for the storyline. Like, I think Hard Knocks loves to latch on to things. And Patrick Peterson is in the twilight of his career. Um, he's he's said, like, he still thinks he has however many years left and, you know, to, to prove he's still a, a top-tier corner in the league. But he's in the decline of his career. And Hard Knocks really likes to latch on to those things, like these veterans. These So when I was picking my roster, my three-person roster, I needed someone like Patrick Peterson, who is almost like this cookie-cutter narrative. Like, he's going to get talked about on Hard Knocks. He would be a, a major plot point of Hard Knocks just because he was 
on track to be, you know, a hall of fame cornerback. Maybe he is down the road still. Um, but now he's a different player. He's a leader in this room. He's someone who obviously still has his own personal goals, but he's working after practice with Cam Dantzler and Andrew Booth Jr. And some cornerbacks who aren't going to make the team. Like he's like the dad of this cornerback room. And he has some banter with like the, you know, Keenan McCardle is a coaching, uh, the wide receivers coach on, on the Vikings and Patrick Peterson and him have, have a history that kind of goes back and, and they give each other crap all the time. And, and I think like that duality of, of Patrick Peterson being able to one coach the youngsters on the team and two kind of, you know, go back and forth with the coaches on the team. I think that stuff always works on hard knocks. That's why I took him too. Plus, like the guy knows how to talk. I mean, like he's got his own podcast. Like he, there's, he knows how to handle the media. Like he would know how to play it up. He would kind of know probably what Hard Knocks was looking for, um, mm-hmm. and would provide endless. He'd eat comfort. it up too. Yep, hundred percent. Like he, he's somebody who's very conscious of his own brand and would, I think, shine for them for sure. Uh, and I think my last pick is like one where I. Maybe a little surprising, but I did go with Kirk Cousins. Uh, not because like it'd be somebody that I think maybe you'd fall in love with, uh, but more so somebody where it's like, have you ever seen like the different times that Kirk Cousins is mic'd up in, in games, in practices, whatever the case may be? It's hilariously boring. Like it's it's like we talk about maybe like a, a little bit dorky, like kind of a cornball. And that's exactly how it comes off. Like he runs onto the field and practice. He's like, I got a hot mic today, guys. Like watch your language. Like I imagine these conversations are the exact same when he had does or doesn't have a mic. It is like asking about the weather, uh, things like that. Like all the kind of stuff that you would expect like a 40 year old dad to say, like I watched one from last year where he's sitting, it, they're playing the lines and he sits down on the bench and he literally does like the dad sitting on a couch ah, <laughs> because he takes the load <laughs> off his feet. Like, I, I think that it would just be obviously to have the narrative of, oh, is Kirk Cousins, can he be a super bowl level winning quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Maybe talk some about that. But just like him putting a mic on and people laughing at how dorky this person is, um, it would be entertaining in its own way without him even trying to do so. Yeah, if you didn't draft him, I would have because you got to draft the quarterback. You got to draft the polarizing guy like Kirk Cousins. Um, He's good TV because he is so boring. He's such a dork, but he also has just like an incredible amount of Kirk Cousins stands out there. And yep. on the flip side of that, Kirk Cousins haters. It's good television. If he was on, he's almost he's like a TV character because it, it's like it can't be that boring. But like he would no. be on a sitcom, frankly, because of it. It's an unbelievable character. And then could you imagine Twitter being like? Oh man, Kirk Cousins was so boring. And then the Kirk Cousins stands just coming out and like defending him. Like he's not boring. Like, yes, he is. Like uh, it would create good conversation. And and you're right. He's just a character in and of himself. Um, My final pick, Harrison Phillips. Not a lot of people know who Harrison Phillips is. um, And that's why I picked him. Um, He kind of like Dalvin Tomlinson to you, super involved in the community, super great guy, just like, very, very pleasant to be around, but also hilarious. Like we talked to him, his first press conference in Minnesota, he talked about his nickname, how he was called horrible Harry growing up. He talked about how he was 11 pounds. And he apologized to his mom for, for, for putting her through that during his birth. <laughs> he talked about how at a, he considers his position in the defense to be like a fire hydrant at a dog show was the way he said it, because 
he just gets peed on while everyone else gets to perform and, and star. <laughs> he's just a great personality. He's a hilarious dude. And I think as like he takes steps forward with the Vikings, people are going to latch onto this guy. I think it was telling that when he signed, like you just do a quick search on Twitter and Buffalo, everyone, Buffalo Bills writers, Buffalo Bills fans, uh, Buffalo Bills team employees, they were sad to lose a guy like Harrison sure. Phillips. I think he would endear himself to Vikings fans quickly, but also just like the world at large. Anyone who watches Hard Knocks, if you watch that, if they, if it, even if it wasn't like an episode long segment, if even if it was like a 15 minute clip or like a 10 minute in episode, like here's Harrison Phillips and what he's doing with his day, like people would latch on to him. They would love him. Um, and I think this show, like I was saying in the beginning, a lot of it is to, to learn about players that you don't necessarily know about. Um, he would shoot to the top of that list. I will say if the Vikings ever do get hard knocks, if they get it in the near future, I will always think, Oh man, this team really should have had this one. Mike Zimmer was on, I know was on the staff. Like that guy was meant for hard knocks, meant to be the head coach on hard knocks, meant to like have a camera in his office and see what, what he is saying about other people. Um, the things that he is saying in practice, all of it, like his off the cuff comments, just his orneriness, um, maybe how he feels about certain guys that we think he doesn't feel very well about. Uh, it would be amazing. He was meant and for the, Kevin O'Connell. He might be fine, uh, but he wouldn't be what Mike Zimmer would have been. Right. And the, the whole idea like that Mike Zimmer probably hates the fact that that hard knocks is here would, would be like the cherry on top. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but um, maybe maybe at some point down the road, maybe hard knocks will do like a. 33rd team on the 33rd right, so. team or, or yeah. Deion Sanders school. You know, like yeah. With, that, would, I, that would work. It, it, that could be electric television. If not hard knock, somebody else picked that up. Uh, all right. That's all we got. Uh, we'll come back after the Vikings preseason game on Saturday to break that all down and continue to kind of look forward as we get closer and closer um, to the start of the regular season. We're almost through the preseason uh, through joint practices kind of feels like another stretch in that. Um, if you like what you hear, like follow, subscribe. We'll be with you here all the way through training camp, preseason, regular season and beyond uh, for Dame Mizutani. I'm Jason Frederick. This has been inside purple and gold. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye.